The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show. We've been after this episode's guest for quite a long time, and she's finally here. As one of the minds behind the Sex Down South Conference, she has been a leader in sexuality education for many years. Marla Renee Stewart, MA, is a professional sexologist, speaker, author, and sexual strategist. She is the owner of Velvet Lips, a sexuality education company as well as Contract Liberation, a company focused on research for nonprofit groups. She is also a lecturer at Clayton State University, teaching sociology and women's and gender studies. As the co-founder of the Sex Down South Conference, Marla aims to bring diverse groups together to learn and share their experiences in the essence of being authentic and fostering sexual liberation across communities. Marla has studied human sexuality for over 20 years and educated over 30,000 people in 14 years, given 500 workshops, and has served over 100 clients in her private practice all around the world. She has had her influence in the media as well. She's written over 200 articles, featured in 30 magazines and books, and has been on over 70 podcasts and independent television shows. She was featured on Netflix's Trigger Warning with Killer Mike and VH1's Love in Hip Hop Atlanta. In addition, she also sits on the boards for Spark Reproductive Justice Now and is on the Community Advisory Board of the Diverse Sexualities and Research Education Institute. She co-wrote her first book, The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay in 2020 with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, and is currently the co-author of the newer book, An Intersectional Approach to Sex Therapy. Now, Marla Renee Stewart, on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever stood in front of a class to teach a class on sex. And what was it like? 
Oh my gosh, I can't even remember that far. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? That's a lie. Um, you know, I first taught uh, a class on sex actually at Georgia State University. It was my African American um, queer activism class. And uh, my partner and friend, we not 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 partner, but my partner in the exercise, mm -hmm. um, we got in front of the class and we talked about how to eat pussy. And uh, that was that was uh, the first class I believe I did on uh, in front of a in front of a group that uh, pertained to sex and sexuality. So. Yeah. First time you ever presented on BDSM and did you get any funny looks for doing it? Oh my gosh. I don't even think I can remember that. Um, <laughs> very first time I, oh gosh, I, I, I honestly don't remember, but I do know that when I do teach and I'm in a place maybe or maybe I'm in a place that normally isn't like a, a kink sp space. Um, one of the first things I think people are kind of like taken aback, right? They clutch their pearls a little bit. Uh, but then after a while, you know, someone always volunteers to be spanked or whatever. And needless to say, like, you know, I spank them and, uh, you know, then they'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I can I can let go of the pearls and I, I want to try now. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty typical of what happens. But honestly, I cannot even remember or recall the very first time I, I taught kink. First time you had an inkling that you were going to start Sex Down South. What was the <sighs> genesis of it? Ah, so... You know, the genesis of it was, you know, Tia and I actually were, you know, she recruited me to do a uh, to do a workshop for her magazine or she was producing a, an event for a magazine. And so I did the event. We just bonded immediately and we ended up doing my birthday party together, which was a carnival. So we had about 200 people at my house and we had like a mobile spank booth and uh, like a hugging thing and pie eating contest. I had a Mexican rock band. I had fire eaters. I had just, you know, all the things. And so from there, we decided to do more parties and more events. And then we were just like, we want to do something bigger. And so we just sat in my living room on my red couch and uh, she popped up with the name of Sex Down South. And I was like, that is it. Because I was just like, I want to do like a conference or something. I want to do something like for a few days, not just one day, you know. So we turned those, you know, 12 hour parties into a three day conference. And uh, it's it's amazing. So now it's just a three day learning and party. <laughs> Can you remember the first time anyone ever came up to you and said, Marla, you have made such an amazing difference in my life and what your reaction was to it? Ooh, gosh, I've, 
I've been very fortunate to have experienced that many times. Um, one of the most memorable times was I was at Southwest Love Fest and I had presented um, on my seduction learning styles, which is a sexual theory that I came up with uh, more than a decade ago. And when I taught it, um, there was this husband who came up to me tears in his eyes and he just said i want to thank you for teaching that seduction can be beautiful and it this has been really life-changing for me and about a week later i got a message from his wife uh telling me everything that he's done to help seduce her and how amazing she feels and how wanted she feels and how they've reignited their sex life because they've been together for over 20 years. Um, and so that really probably is one of the most memorable times for me, how I've made an impact, not only on one person, but two people. And in addition, it was at a non-monogamy conference. So I'm, I know that it was not only those two, but they're going to help bring that to the other partners in their life. So that that made a tremendous difference for me, for sure. Boosted my ego, for sure. <laughs> First time you ever looked in the mirror or saw a picture of yourself and said, the shame is gone. This is who I am. Wow. You know, it's very interesting, John. I have never had that. Uh, experience because my mother was very good about teaching me about myself and my body. Um, so I was very fortunate to grow up with a parent who was very sex positive and was very like, you know, uh, do, do, you know, if you get horny, this is what you do. Like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, be, she taught me how to be sexually responsible and she really did not put any kind of shame on who I was as a person and even coming out as queer. At 16, she was just like, you know what? I don't know what y'all do, but but here's a sex pamphlet, and you know, I, I here's a here's a newspaper. Like I'm trying to help you the best way I can. So I've be definitely been very fortunate to. Whenever time I look into a mirror, I don't feel any kind of shame or anything. I I my mom really uh, instilled that. Uh, everything that we do as as sexual beings, it's natural and normal, and and we should embrace it. Well, that's a great start to a shame-free episode of What yeah. Women and Other <laughs> Wonderful Humans Want. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Velvet Lips and Sex Down South when we return. Imagine if you can go back in time and learn about your body and how to embrace your desires without fear. How would the rest of your life be different? I would like to know how to not feel so guilty. It's okay for women to take ownership of their health and their pleasure. Knowing where the clitoris is, is knowledge. Knowing where your own clitoris is, is power. Somebody's dad is gonna watch that and go, huh? <laughs> Not to sound like a broken vibrator, but pleasure is not a nice to have. It's a need to have. I'm having a good time by myself. I'm having some good sex now. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I gotta go. No. <laughs> Why's my car coming? Sorry. 
the star and the executive producer of the Netflix hit series, The Principles of Pleasure, April 26th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey, and good luck. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Marla Renee Stewart. Tell me where Velvet Lips came from. (laughs) So Velvet Lips, you know, I was really trying to think of a sexy name, right, for my company. It's a sexuality education company, right? And how do I not get banned from, you know, Google (laughs) and social media and what are the ways that I can slip in that this is something sexy and sexual? And um, my partner at the time was just like, well, what do you think about when you think about your pussy? You know, what do you think about? And I was like, well, my pussy is nice and velvety and it's smooth and it feels good. And I was like, you know, I have velvet lips, you know? And she's like, that's what you should call it, just velvet (laughs) lips. And I was like, yeah. And so I was like, it's not, it's like a double entendre, right? It's not only about, you know, my pussy or genitals or sex, but it's also about communication, seduction, what we do with our mouths um, that make it, you know, velvet lips, make it sexy and sensual and all the things. So that is where the name came from. I have done a lot of interviews, Marla. (laughs) And that is the first time anyone has described that body part in the way that you did. And let me tell you why that's important. And this is probably going a little bit too much into my lack of knowledge, but (laughs) that's the first description that I've ever heard that isn't scary. Mm. And makes me more comfortable to want to figure out a lot more because my marriage, I know people have heard this on, on the podcast many times, no imagination. I've never gone down south because I never was asked to or there was never any interest in it. 
But the fact is, it is something that as a male and trying to please my partners in the future is something I definitely want to know about. How do you get people comfortable to talk about that? Or is it simply, I have beautiful velvet lips, come enjoy. Well, I think the biggest hurdle that people have are the shame, the stigma, mm-hmm. or the they've been kept in silence, like their you know family didn't talk about it, they didn't talk about it in school, so they haven't really had the chance to vocalize how they feel or you know talk about their genitals or talk about their sexuality, and I think because of the 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 framework my mother gave me as a child you know, really helped me to be open and, and honest and just say like, hey, this is what happens to my body or hey, this is what happens when I'm with someone or this is a sexual experience I had. You know, have you ever had a sexual experience like this? You know, I really talk openly about who I am, what I do, how I do it. And I think that really uh and then i it's probably also an air about me because people have come up to strangers have come up to me and talked about their sex lives right and they don't even know who i am so (laughs) i think whatever is in me that energy kind of comes out to where people really feel comfortable um to talk to me about their sex life and um so i just make it uh, i'm uh because I asked my friends actually one time about not one time, but multiple times I've asked friends like what makes them comfortable. And they say, you know, I have a very non judgmental attitude. So when they say something, they don't feel like I'm going to judge them or that I'm going to, you know, poo poo it or whatever, right? They really like you, you, you take in the information, you give honest advice, you're not judge, you know, you don't judge me. And you're really, you know, sweet and kind about it. And you also make me feel like I'm normal. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm like, everybody is freaking, you know, like some of the things that we think are weird are actually very common. And so, you know, I, it's like, and I'm also full of facts, you know, Mm -hmm. full full of facts and research and things. So I think that also helps people to be like, oh, okay, I see. And uh, get get people a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more vulnerable. When did you start to want to learn about all of this? Because obviously to teach it, you had to learn an awful lot. Absolutely. So, and I did, I spent a lot of years in school. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I think thinking about my own sexuality had me, um, had me thinking about it a bit but but that was in high school and we kind of not that we shut down but we're kind of like oh my gosh i you know there are these like i when i came out i didn't come out to my i came out to my parents and i came out to like my best friends i didn't like come out to the school Mm -hmm. and i was a really popular uh person at my school so it was really um and, and so then when i told people i was going to san francisco for college you know, people were like, oh, it's that's so gay. It's such a gay place. And I was like, is it like I had no idea. <laughs> and then my mom was like, oh, they just they don't know, you know, they don't know about you. And that's OK, you know, like. And so when I got to college, I really I I, I came out a blazing, you know, mm-hmm. and was just like, 
I'm queer. I'm here. Like, yeah, get used to it. And um, because I was just open and I was like, you know what? I want to study sexuality and I, I studied psychology and, you know, why people are the way they are, mm -hmm. right? People say they, we study psychology because we want to figure out what's quote unquote wrong with us or dive into our own, you know, depths of thought. But um, I ended up studying uh, theater and psychology and human sexuality and LGBT studies and and from there, um, really learned a lot. And then my friends were asking me advice because I was I was at the point of like, I'm having orgasms. I'm hooking up with people and having orgasms. And you know, my friends were not having orgasms, but they were hooking up. And I was like, oh no, that is that is not okay. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was really like I am going to. We're having orgasms, and you're gonna have an orgasm, and you're gonna tell people what you want. And the advice that I gave to my friends, I guess, really helped because they just kept coming to me for more advice. And so from there, I was like, this actually needs to be my job. Like, I need to give people advice. I need to, I love doing research. I'm a mm -hmm. researcher at heart. So um, uh, I had a, I was on a scholarship. So I was, you know, I was doing research as an undergrad. And then of course in grad school, it was like doing more research and, um, then I decided to start my business while in graduate school. My best friend really egged me on to be like, why don't you just start it now? Cause you know, you know, things are going to get moving. And as they get moving, by the time you finish your grad school, you'll be ready to like come full blazing in. That's what I did. I take it you were raised in the South. I was not, I was actually raised in California. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what brought you to the, 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 the the deep south where things are a little different don't you know than it oh, is yeah. maybe up in uh, san francisco oh absolutely so graduate school brought me to the south mm -hmm. i had been i had went to a conference so when i was in school in san francisco i went to a conference in atlanta and fell in love i was like oh this is like a little country city because i mean i love san francisco i love cityscapes right and so I was like, it's like a country city. Like it's not like a city city, but it's but it's but it's not like country country. So I was like, it's kind of it's slow enough to where I know I'll get my work done um and not be doing it two hours before class and um and not partying seven. I was partying probably five to seven days out of the week in San Francisco. And how I managed to get A's, I I don't know. But <laughs> Um, I was like, let me let me slow it down and like get serious about school. So that's what I I came to the South and it was a rude awakening. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, because I was growing a mohawk and people were, I mean, judging. I could not. I was just like, my hair is really cool back home. I don't know what y'all are talking about, but. Um, people were just like, wow, why are you wearing a mohawk? Why are you, why are you dressed like that? Why do you have all those piercings? What is going on? Why do you have so many tattoos? It was, I mean, I was, I got judged right out the gate from for a good, maybe three, four years, mm -hmm. people really, it's like they were intrigued by, by me. So I, I still kind of had some popularity, but they were also kind of like, you're doing the most. You, why don't you look like everybody else? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but but I really enjoy. But I I really found a home here in the South, and I think it's mostly because um, 
what I what I'm doing is very much needed. And there are a lot of people who are living in the shadows, living, um, not living authentically, um, not being themselves. And I just kind of wanted to be in the South and show people like you can be yourself and you can be authentic and enjoy yourself. Like those things are a possibility. Um, and so I, I continue to be here and, and, and stay here. The way you described it in that people were saying, well, you're a bit extra, but you're kind of cool. And then they discovered how cool it can be. And now as the years have gone on, suddenly there's acceptance. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? <laughs> well, I think part of it is, you know, I think the media, it takes uh takes part in that too because i remember when i had the mohawk it was very unpopular and then kanye west came out with a mohawky thing and then it was okay you know and i was like oh this is interesting so if it's trendy it's okay um and so i think as we see more and more in the media more people with tattoos and piercings and different color hair you know it's uh, it's a, a bit more normalized now. So it's, it's more common and people are more used to it. So, but yeah, it's, it took, it took some time. <laughs> you provide in your bio and press kit, some potential interview questions. And I am one that is infamous for never asking the typical questions. Oh, please don't. You don't have to. <laughs> However, Number four comes up to me here. It says, what advice do you have for individuals who are either previously voluntarily sexually inactive or in some cases had no intimacy for the last 10 years? Yes, uh, in their marriage. I'm just making it personal here. <laughs> or are recovering from a sex-related trauma, but are ready to adventure back into playland? So one of the first things I always tell people, especially when they come to me and they've had a, a large gap in intimacy and sexual relations for you know quite a while, is to give themselves some grace. Because sometimes people just want to jump in head first and be like, I'm going to be on all the apps and I'm going to, I'm just going to go right in. And what tends to happen is that people get overwhelmed by the amount of socializing that they have to do or um you know the the work that it takes to put in to actually uh come across someone to want to hook up with someone mm -hmm. and so i usually tell people give yourself grace first number one number two start doing things that you fucking love to do right so what is it that you really like to do what are your hobbies um, go out and do those things, right? So pre-pandemic, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, do you like to bowl? Go bowling, join a bowling league, <laughs> you know? Do you like to go to the, hang out at the nude beach? Then go hang out at the nude beach. What, whatever it is that you like to do, do those things, right? And you'll meet people who also like to do those things. 
Um, and usually when we find something in common with someone, it's, it's, it's easier to relate. There's something that we can riff off of. There's something that we can, uh, find in common, and then we can find other common commonalities from there. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're on apps and things, it's like, it's, it's a little bit harder to tell. It's still doable. I've had plenty of friends who've married people who are, you know, who they've met on an app. Mm -hmm. Um, um. And for me, I guess, as an extrovert, it's, it's, I like to talk to people in person, you know, mm -hmm. I like to get their vibe. I like to smell them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I like to, you know, I want to be able to interact with you, you know, very personally. So, um, so my advice really is, okay, give yourself grace, find things that you love to do. And then, mm -hmm. you know, try talking and making friends there and talking to people there. Um, also get more sexually aware of yourself hmm. um so jess and i you know just came out with that book the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay um in april uh 2020 and in the book there's so many questions i'm very proud of the book because there's so many questions about awareness and really understanding who you are as a sexual being mm -hmm. a lot of times people just don't know who they are as sexual beings they haven't answered those questions about themselves and when you take a deeper dive into yourself, it's going to help you hone in mm -hmm. on who you want to spend your time with. And so uh, when you, you know, come across someone who maybe is not in a sexual value alignment, mm -hmm. you can move on with ease without mm -hmm. having to go through the emotional distress of, well, what if they don't like this? Or what if I'm like, what, da, 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 and doing all these things that in the end don't really matter. So for me, it's also a time saver. <laughs> yeah. Don't waste your time on the bullshit, you know? Get aware of yourself, know who you are, know your sexual values, know what you bring to the table, know, and then know what you want and understand, understand the emotionality of things but also the logic thing the logic side of things and i think though that's most important how do you keep your soul from being crushed by using them especially if you are a cis het male mm -hmm. of a certain age when and I don't blame women at all. I don't blame anyone at all. There is so much crap that's out there. There are so many people that are looking for one thing and not a connection. And I could see how it's so hard to accept that there might be somebody out there that wants to meet you, doesn't want anything from you yet, wants to meet you. But how do you keep from just going, okay, I can't do this anymore? Mm. Well, is it, well, I, the specific question that I have for you is what is it that you can't do? What is it that you're saying you can't do? I will give you two perfect examples because I was actually <laughs> looking, uh, I logged into one of the sites that I had exchanged a message with yesterday and I wanted to read you the message. Absolutely. Because I thought it really spoke to what's going on, but it's interesting that the message is gone because I'm guessing the person deleted it or whatever. 
But they asked me the question, what are we on here for? That was the entire message I got. What are we on here for? Hmm. And I responded to make a connection with a person that fulfills us in a way that we can be honest, authentic, and get to know each other naturally. I'm not here looking for anything in particular other than the opportunity for a connection. Now, if they're kinky, that's fine. I can put that in there. <laughs> and I have actually put little hints in my headlines, like uh, uh, kindness with a side of non-vanilla. Mm. Because you can't really come out and go, kinky a AF. <laughs> <laughs> come at me, you know. <laughs> but this is the second time that I have exchanged messages with somebody and they're gone the next day. That's mm. what I mean about it. So with apps, sometimes I think it, it can be fleeting. You know, they're very inconsistent. People come, they go, they are really, um, I mean, I've been ghosted on apps mm -hmm. plenty of times. Um, and people are scared. People are scared to make a connection. Um, so that's why I say do something that you like to do as far as <laughs> affinity wise, because the connections already it's it's sort of like a pre connection. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's not just because we're on this app together. We're all on freaking Facebook and Instagram and yeah. whatever. Right. Like we're all on on these apps. Um, but how many of us are, are going to the bowling alley or going to the dance club mm -hmm. or going to, I don't know, the skate park, whatever, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I think it's just really vital. And I think you are absolutely right. You people go on the apps to make a connection, to make a connection. They want to feel something. Mm -hmm. They want to feel connect. They want to have a conversation with someone that's hoping that that conversation is going to be fulfilling or get to know them in some way, shape or form or form a new friend. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, we, you know, I, I pose this question to some of my students, like are internet friendships, faux friendships, right? And maybe eight, 10 years ago, you would probably say, oh, those aren't real friendships, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're like, of course they're real friendships. Of course we've made real connections mm -hmm. through, through, the, through the lens. So now there's these things that have shifted. And so now we're trying to understand ourselves as virtual beings um, and also trying to be genuine in a way where when we're behind the app, we're only showing off the best of ourselves. Mm. And, um, but, you know, you're at the bowling alley and you, you bowl that 30, you know, <laughs> like that is very transparent. You can't sit there and say, I bowled a 300, yep. you know, like you, you just have to come humble. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just think a lot of people don't do that. I, I, we're not used to doing that. Um, and I think that's why it's, it's sometimes it's hard to make connections on apps. 
You talk, and so like it can't be done. It totally can be done. You talked about uh, real friends versus virtual friends. And I remember one time when my wife said many years ago when I had 300 Facebook friends and I was like, how the hell did I get 300 yeah. Facebook friends? And she said, oh, you're just a friend collector. <laughs> I went, challenge accepted. <laughs> I went into the other room and I wrote, because this was back in the days when you'd write the notes, uh, 10 things you don't know about me or mm -hmm. 50, 50 concerts I went to that define, you know, all those. <laughs> so I wrote a note called the 300. Mm. And I wrote a story about every one of my 300 friends. Wow. But did not identify who they were. I just told the stories. And I did it in alphabetical order by first name, not by last name, but by first name. So there was some sort of order to it. And I said, have fun figuring out which one is you. Mm. And the response I got back from that was like, what in the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I know which one I am, by the way. <laughs> they just couldn't figure that a person would take that time. So I guess what I'm saying is now that I'm in the land of 1,500 Facebook friends <laughs> because I was in roller derby for so many years. Oh, nice. And if you're at the same tournament as another roller derby, you become friends. Right. Uh, I think you can make real friendships and real connections and keep them virtually, but I don't think you can make them virtually. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's a really good theory. That's interesting. So you're saying you would have to meet in person to actually feel the friendship out for that emotional attachment. And then uh, you can keep them virtually because you've already met them in person. Mm -hmm. But if you meet them on person to keep them, or I mean, if you met them virtually mm -hmm. to keep them virtually is going to be more difficult because they because they're virtual. We don't right. we don't know where they might be. Right. Like today, I wrote a quick note to a woman in Norway who was a member of Team Norway in the Roller Derby World Cup. And I said, oh, my gosh, your new baby looks so beautiful. I hadn't written her a note in four years. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you she'll go, oh, John, how are you? Right. <laughs> I, call, I call them drive-bys. Drive-bys, yeah. <laughs> it's drive-by kindness. It's yes. drive-by notes. Yep. Well, that's an interesting tangent we got off on there. No, but, but you I make do... a good point though, because it, 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 we still feel connected. And I, mm -hmm. I know like I've, I've hit up people from who I played, you know, college basketball with, and it still feels like we're connected, right? Like, because we've connected in person. And even though we haven't seen each other in, oof, years, mm -hmm. years, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're right. I love it. I love your, I love your theory. I would love to see the research about it. <laughs> you love your research. I do. Energy. It was a word that you used earlier. And I know that energy can be positive. Energy can be negative. 
But energy is sometimes hard to read, isn't it? Because it's the perception of the energy as opposed to the way it's intended that becomes the reality. Hmm. So you're saying, so you're saying energy is hard to read? Example. Okay. I was part of an amazing kink scene on a recent trip. Mm -hmm. The feedback that I got is, John, you had a lot of woo going on there and it mm. kind of took us by surprise and we didn't quite know how to work around it. And I said, that's interesting because all I was feeling was this immense appreciation for everything that was going on. And if I was romanticizing something, it was the fact that somebody's nice enough to share this time with me. And yes, you all are beautiful. You have wonderful souls. You look rocking. But the energy that I have is thank you. Mm, and gratitude. Mm -hmm. And they were taking it as romantic energy. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, I think for, you know, a cishet man, <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the, a sub cishet man, yeah. which can also add complications into it. Absolutely. I think, you know, sometimes it's the, the read, the read can be off because of uh, people's perception. So if you've been socialized as female, you know, you've, uh, you've had to think about men in a certain way, right? And um, whatever we've been taught about men, we keep, right? We, mm -hmm. it, it keeps, it's etched in our brains. And so we don't ever get the opportunity sometimes or chance to think about men, cishet men in particular, being romantic and being um, being soft, being vulnerable, um, sharing their sharing their their soft energy very openly. Mm -hmm. We only get to see it in private you know, one-on-one. -on -one. And so the expression of that energy is, um, was probably off-putting, right? To people mm -hmm. because they're like, wait a minute, you're sharing this energy publicly, right? That is not normal, quote unquote, normal, right? That is not what cishet men do, mm -hmm. even if you're a sub, that's mm -hmm. not what cishet men do. And so, you know, people get caught up in these sociocultural norms that are ugh, ridiculously hard to break from. And I think it's it's sad. And I think I, I'm, I'm happy for you that you were able to actually express yourself regardless of what people thought, um, because I just think it's uncommon. It's just very uncommon. And if more people did that, um, if more cishet men did that, there would be, uh, we would, we would normalize it and be like, that's, that's okay. That's cool. That's awesome. 
I feel like we only, we don't, especially in king communities, we don't normalize. We we normalize it in maybe tantra communities. We can see cis mm-hmm. men being like that. Um, we can see it privately one-on-one and we can, when else do we see it? We might see it in maybe a, a family context. Um, other than that, you know, we don't really get to see that. Um, and that should definitely change, but, um, but it is, it is about people's perspectives and not about you. I think you should always do what makes you feel good and happy. And as long as it's consenting and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it should every, we should be okay with that. When you teach, it can be a group of a dozen. It can be a group of 200. I'm sure you've spoken to even more than that. Can you take me back to a moment that you just were able to say, my gosh, I'm glad I'm doing this. My gosh, I've made a difference in this person's life. Because I remember something that happened while I taught a couple weekends ago at Kinky College where it was like, oh my God, I want to do this 24 seven and you're getting to do it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little envy there, I I will totally admit, but when you feel that, just what does it do for your soul? Oh, it's so fulfilling. Oh, John, you have no idea. Like when I'm teaching, it feels wonderful. And, you know, I love to teach in person. I did a bachelorette party on Saturday (laughs) and, you know, I'm teaching, you know, fellatio, dick pleasing is what I call it. And in this, you know, I, to see people's light bulbs go off, to see people discovering things about themselves, to see people just, just the flood of information that I'm giving to them that they are just, they're grateful. They're just like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But it fills me up mm-hmm. and it gives me energy. You know what I mean? It gives me so much energy. It just makes me like, ah, I love this. This is what I do. What I do. This is why, this is why I will never retire because mm-hmm. I love this shit. This is amazing. Like to, to, to do the research, to, to teach people, to, to like, that is, that feels good to me. Um, and there's so many people to teach. Like there's so many things to learn. I'm, I'm still learning. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just a never ending cycle of, of gratitude, of enjoyment, of absolute pleasure, of sexual indulgence, like, ugh. Give it to me. So I I love it. It's interesting that you put it in the way that you did, because I want to finish this segment with a fun question. Are some classes better than sex? (laughs) It depends on the type of sex you're having. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't know about you, John, but I've had some bad sexual situations, (laughs) sexual experiences. Um, that I would rather be like, as like that was like a womp, 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 right? Um, but, but what I mean is that feeling inside you afterwards where you're like, oh, God, that was good. Mm. 
Oh, that's so hard. That is such a difficult question. I would say, is that feeling better than sex? Oh, this is <laughs> awful, John. Um, yes. I'm going to say yes. It is because... Because uh, let's think about it this way. You know, when I think about teaching and I'm reflecting on it, I, I get the high all over again, right? It's sort of like when we reflect and even when we have like a really good sexual experience, we have that rush feeling again, but it's not quite powerful. And even then we kind of lose the memory of it over time. Whereas I can think about, you know, I, although I can't think about maybe the very first time that I taught, but I think about some really powerful experiences that I've had teaching and those feelings maintain. So that's how that's how I'm gauging this. It's the longevity of the memories of the emotional impact of the feeling. I can understand that wholeheartedly. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little sex down south. It's been talked about so much that I've got to hear what the brain behind it has to think about it. Sex down south when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works. Real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? Tanya Tate presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, milfsmakingmoney, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com.
This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program, joined by Marla Renee Stewart. One of the brains behind Sex Down South, we talked about how it started, but give me an idea. What's it like to walk through the front door? <laughs> well, when you come to Sex Down South, you know, it's it looks like a regular conference, right? You go to the registration desk, but then you see at the registration desk that we don't have like your name. We just have your badge name. So whatever name you gave us, uh, that is going to be your name for the the, the three days. So, uh, you know, you pick up your swag bag, you know, you come behind the black curtain and then all is revealed, right? So uh, then we have we have lots of vendors who, you know, uh, we, we like to have a lot of local vendors. Um, you know, we ha do have some big vendors too, but we like to have local vendors so you can, you know, buy local support, you know, Atlanta Metro communities. Um, we have, and then we have about, gosh, like 10 to 12 workshops happening at the same time. Mm. So, um, of course, during this pandemic, we've had to do the hybrid thing. So we did a hybrid last year and we're, we're going to do it again this year. And then we had the virtual in 2020. Um, but, um, typically pre pandemic, um, you know, you would go to whatever workshops, you know, you tickled your fancy. Right. And, um, if you didn't want to go to any of those workshops, we have a healing space where we would have different healers, uh, you know, anything from could be aromatherapy, tarot, masseuse, uh, it could be, you know, anything. There's so many different kinds of healers. Um, uh, so we have a healing room and then we also have a dungeon. So, you know, when the dungeon's open, you can come and hang out and do your thing in the dungeon. Um, so we are, you know, we, we say come and learn during the day and then we have fun and party at night because mm -hmm. that's who T and I are. We love to learn, love to explore. Uh, we love our conference because we have live demos, you know, we really encourage people to have live demos of things um, so that people can actually see how to do something, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that's not typical of other sex conferences. You know, a lot of sex conferences are pretty academic, pretty... Uh, 
how do I say pretty conservative <laughs> conservative yeah <laughs> yes so we're like we're right in we're like the combo like you know the the kink conference is like frolicon so it's like we're not frolicon but we're not conservative like other sex conferences we're like right in the middle so mm -hmm. you can feel free to be who you want do what you want you could be nude in the space if you want to um a lot of people don't but you could you know we have we have the opportunity the none of the hotel staff can come into the space um you know we it, it's like you get to meet people people are super friendly sex positive we have mm -hmm. a wish board so if you like want to hook up with someone, this is this is the app, but in wish in real life. You mm -hmm. know? <laughs> so say what you want. It's like the old school personal ads. And, you know, people can can hook up or, you know, just put something on the wishboard, whatever they want to have come true. Um, but uh, but yeah, but it immediately you know that you're in a room full of friendly people that you can learn from um that aren't typically heard at you know these other conservative sex conferences right so you will get to hear from marginalized traditionally marginalized folks so we center folks of color queer trans non-binary folks uh survivors sex workers disabled folks non-monogamous folks kinky folks swingers we we center all of the people who would not have keynote speeches at those other sex conferences mm -hmm. period you know what i mean so um we 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 value that you became an author a couple years ago mm -hmm. you've been writing for a long time but you became an author and you've been a part of two books one is The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, otherwise known as Sex with Dr. Jess. And the newest one that you were a part of was a team effort, an intersectional approach to sex therapy. You mentioned that intersectional approach uh, when it came to uh, Sex Down South, but your... Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to totally edit that right there because I just had a break. <laughs> That's, That's okay. what editing's for. Um, so you are a an author and you've been writing for a long time, a lot of articles in different magazines, but you got into the book business a couple of years ago with the Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay with Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, otherwise of known from the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. And currently you are part of a great team in an intersectional approach to sex therapy. And that in itself is groundbreaking, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell, we, tell me a little more about that. Yeah. So we, you know, Reese uh, recruited um, Mariata, James and I to co-edit this book. And we really wanted to have a variety of people speak about their experiences, not only in sex therapy, but um, what I do is sex coaching, education um, as well. And so how do we help our clients who are not the not not to say the typical client but how they're just there's just not a lot of books on mm -hmm. how to help 
folks who are, are racialized, marginalized, folks of color, you know, queer folks. It's just, it's just there's just like not a lot of literature on how to help us, right? Mm -hmm. And so this book, um, there's another uh, there's another similar book that it's also, but we are it is pretty groundbreaking in the sense of there is not a lot of books that cater to people of color when it comes to sex therapy and the approaches that we take as uh, therapists, counselors, and educators, coaches. Marla, one thing that I have seen over the past, I don't know if I can put an actual number of years on it, but the appearance and the realization and not the just the acceptance, but the embracing of gender roles, non-gender roles, the different ways people live that are genuinely their life. It's been amazing for a guy who grew up where man, wife, 50s household, <laughs> that's the way I grew up. And now it's this whole beautiful rainbow with every single shade you can imagine. Could you have ever imagined that growing up? Gosh, I I honestly did not even think about that growing up, right? Because like you, you know, I I even though I grew up in California, I grew up in a small town um that was a very culturally diverse. Um and but as far as sexuality and things like that, those things weren't really kind of spoken of or anything so and and we didn't see that in the media we didn't see gay people the only thing we saw in the media about gay people were the hiv aids epidemic you mm -hmm. know what i mean so like we didn't really uh, see see queer parents we didn't see you know we didn't see these things like we see now um and so that uh i think for people like me you know, growing up and also being authentic and being like, this is my life. I think there's so many of us, right, in the in Gen X who are just kind of like, okay, we are, we're trucking along, we're gonna, we're we're making moves. And because we've made moves and the generations after us have made moves and be like, hey, we are progressing and you know, things look differently and they're going to continue to look different. And so now we see the media representation. I don't know if you remember, but like you remember back in the day, there was that damn Cheerios commercial when they had a black woman and a white man and they had that mixed child and the freaking uh, the news went mm -hmm. crazy because it was a interracial couple mm -hmm. in the 90s. It was like, are you serious? Like, considering, huh? I remember Uhura and Kirk in the 60s when that kiss happened. Oh, yeah. And I was a little <laughs> kid, and I'm like, well, this isn't any big thing. And people are like, oh, no, hold on a sec. Because even interracial marriage had still had been, uh, was still illegal uh, until the 70s. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, 
it's it's just like wow right like we've come a long way now you can't me and my wife we we when we watch commercials we're like oh there's a black person there's a white person there's the asian there's the gay person there's a lesbian there's you know it's like we're playing you know media bingo you know mm -hmm. like queer media bingo um <laughs> because now people are understanding of we need media re representation of what folks look like in real life, right? Like there are these people in real life and other people need to see what they look like in real life. So um, we've come a long, a long ass way from, from that. Yeah. I use a sports ball analogy mm -hmm. <laughs> and you all are the home of Atlanta United, which is one of the most popular MLS teams of all time. Mm -hmm. I'm a supporter of the Seattle Sounders myself, <laughs> but we can get along. <laughs> but I equate what is happening with realization of authenticity to soccer. You remember back when we were growing up, soccer was out on the fringe. Nobody mm -hmm. knew about it. Is it? That's right. You know, it's never going to get popular. It's never going to become as popular as other things. And bit by bit, generation by generation, and it ended up being this social thing that people got together for the experience, not just the game. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, a lot more people are talking about it mm -hmm. to the point that maybe in a couple generations, soccer will be up there with football. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah. It seems as though we are a couple generations away from everything being air quotes, normal, mm -hmm. when we can embrace each other and nobody gives a damn, right? whether one person is one way or one is the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a prime example of it uh, in that I heard about where there was a trans woman with the name the government name, very male, selected a usually male name with the pronouns of she, her. Mm -hmm. And after meeting this person, I said, my God, you're an inspiration because you've taken all the general labels and you put them all up and you mix them all up to the point where now I understand that you're just a wonderful human and there doesn't have to be labels there, mm -hmm. but we're educating the people who don't understand it right. into better understanding. And I think that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's interesting. I had this, um, a trans man professor, uh, at my university and uh in college and he uh uh and he his name was lydia <laughs> and it was great and it was just like i was like that's what i'm talking about you know what i mean like yeah you know it is what it is he was like i'm not changing it it's fine you know so 
I know that sometimes that's hard for people to, because we've, the, our culture, we've just, we've made everything so binary. Mm -hmm. And now people are like, no, I'm not fitting into these things. I, nope, I want this and I want that. And that feels good to me. And I'm a move on in my life like that. So, and it takes, it, honestly, and that, that takes a lot. It, it takes a lot of freaking confidence. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of people who get misgendered, a lot of people who suffer mentally because people don't respect uh, or people are so, they've just been so ingrained in, in the, in the, and in invested mm -hmm. in the, in the binary system that, you know, they just, it, it's, it can, it, it really falters, but you know, they're going to get left behind <laughs> if they don't, if they don't pick it up, you know what I mean? So the only regret is I don't think I will be around unless I am <laughs> majorly lucky that I won't be around to see the day when it's just normal, but my God, it is beautiful to live in a time where it's finally becoming something we talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have had the most amazing time talking to you today. I really appreciate you being with us. Please tell our audience the different ways to get a hold of you and for all the wonderful things that you are associated with. Absolutely. So you can find me uh, and my website at velvetlipssexed.com. And you can, if you want to register for the conference, you can go to sexdownsouth.com. If you're like, hey, I'm interested in kink stuff, you can, uh, Luna and I have our website raceandkink.com where we do a monthly talk about race and kink. Um, and then we'll be also doing a retreat called Kinky Tapas where if you're just a newbie and it doesn't matter what your race is, but if you just wanna learn some new kink skills or you know learn a little bit more, we're gonna be teaching them. And that happens in Oakland um, at the end of April. So that is exciting and um gosh i'm sure i have lots of other things going on that i can't remember right now but um just go on my website and check out all of the different events and virtual events that i have and uh, again that's velvetlipsexed.com and you can find me on social media at velvetlipsexed uh, sex without the e and at one marla stewart so the number one uh, marla stewart it has been absolutely wonderful having you on today, and I hope you've had as much of a great time as I have. This has been enlightening to be sure. Yes, thank you. I had such a great time, and I'm a, I'm a, I wrote down that theory of yours, so I'm, I'm excited to do a little bit more research about it. So thank you for putting me on it. That was indeed an education for Marla Renee Stewart. What a groundbreaking example of bringing our world together with her company and the conference. And I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from her as time goes on. Our time is about up with this edition of the show and joining us next week, it's the Empress, Jasmine Wu, whose presence is entrancing and power paramount. That's next week on the show. And coming up in May, we'll have shows concentrating on the kink capital of the North, Minneapolis, 
with a look back at my trip there last month with two pro-doms who helped me understand their world so much better. Thank you for being with us on this edition of the show. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.